Good afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns. And you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. Do you ever find yourself asking the question, am I on the wrong path? Am I on the right path? Well, isn't that just how we think? Always questioning ourselves as to which way is right and which way is wrong? What if those questions about right and wrong just keep us stuck at a level of consciousness that will not take the next step? What if there is a path that rises above right and wrong A path that uses every so-called wrong as just another note in the song, another story in the tale, another opening in the energetic harmonic. What if we've got this thing of right and wrong all wrong? Tune in today. Stay for the whole show to learn how to move to the next level. So what about this whole thing of right and wrong? You know, I've talked about this a couple of different times on this show Um But I think it's so huge, and it's particularly huge right now in our political environment in which morality has seemed to take the place of spirituality. And it's not even an accurate morality. It's a morality based in politics and and favoritism. And we we want this, so we're going to vote for this guy because we want to vote for this guy because we want this. You know, and, and they'll just overlook anything that they think might be wrong in order to stay you know, to get what they want. So, you know, there's a lot of confusion today about, you know, this whole thing about right and wrong. And yet I find many of us are still struggling with that whole thing. What's the right path and what's the wrong path? And, you know, when we talk about a path in life, we're talking more global terms. We're talking the whole of your life. If your whole life is on the wrong path, wow, wouldn't that be bad? Well, Let's let's talk about wrong path and right path today so we can get clarity on what that's all about. First thing I want to do is talk to you about something that uh, Thich Nhat Hanh said in his essential writings. He said, people think it's impossible to establish a system of ethics without referring to good or evil. But clouds float, flowers bloom, and wind blows. What need have they for a distinction between good and evil? There are people who live like clouds, flowers, and wind, who don't think about morals. Yet many people point to their actions and words as if religious and ethical models, and they praise them as saints. These saints simply smile. If they revealed that they do not know what is good and what is evil, people would think they were crazy. I love that quote, and I've used it several times. I used it last in my book, Letting Go of Good, because I really think this thing is so important. That is true in in that in Buddhism. It's true in Taoism. It's true in, in, in the Bhagavad Gita. It's also true, and this is where it becomes hard to believe, in the Bible. I've talked about this a little bit before, but just briefly today I will say to you that uh, one of the things that Jesus said was that our righteousness should surpass that of the Pharisees. And that seems at that time and seems still today to be pretty impossible since the Pharisees were rigidly compliant with their own system of rules. And they insisted that everyone else be rigidly compliant also with their own system of rules. So 
if you're going to be better than them, how do you do that? But that's basically what Jesus was saying. I want you to be better than that. And the word righteousness tells the story of what he really meant. The word righteousness is uh, in, in Greek, has as its root meaning the words only Christ truly. Only Christ truly. And so what it really means is it doesn't have anything to do with right and wrong. It doesn't have anything to do with following their rigid code of behavior. It doesn't have anything to do with trying to find the right path. It has something to do with being the Christ nature. And that's exactly what Thich Nhat Hanh was talking about when he said that there are people who are like flowers and cloud and wind. They're not obeying some code. They're just being naturally who they are at the base level. You see, we've all been taught to believe that at our base level, we're basically evil people. We are, we are you know, uh, in some parts of the Christian faith, there are people who believe that we are born into original sin. And that means that our nature has now changed so that we sin first and do good second. And so it's our nature to sin. And so we have to rein that nature in and put some laws on it and stick it in those cuffs and nail it to that wall and make sure that we don't ever misbehave. And so we try to do that with all these rules and laws, the Ten Commandments. Some people say that the Sermon on the Mount was filled with a bunch more laws. But if you read the root language, you find something much wiser, much more true, much more spiritual than all, than all the laws that people say it means. So when, when we think in terms of laws, we're thinking in terms of the lesser harmonic. So what do I mean by harmonic? I mean the energies of, of spirit, the spirit world, and by that I mean the divine, whatever divine beings there are, plus the spirit that is in humans, plus the spirit that's in animals, plus the spirit that's in trees and flowers and biology, plus the spirit that's in the ocean in the sky, the, all of that together is creating a harmonic. But it, when we live in in the uh, in the rules, when we live in uh oh, I've got to do right, I've got or else I'm doing wrong, we're living in, in outside that harmonic. We're not in that flow. We're not in that energy. We're in the energy of an identity an identity that identifies with something other than who we actually are as divine beings. So the Bhagavad Gita calls the deep self the divine self. Hindus call it Atman, and they declare that it is the same as the divine. Uh, In Christianity, those books that said that same thing were thrown out. They were thrown out of the canonical Bible. And they were, they were considered to be heresy. And yet there are many people today who are reading those books. The books of the Nagamahadi Library uh, are, are some of those books that, that people are now reading and beginning to understand that what, what Jesus said was, was that he was just like us. And there are passages in the canonical Bible that also say the same thing. When he said, greater works than these shall you do. Because I go to the Father. What he was really saying is, you have the same thing I've got. You can do the same thing I do. When he said, does your scripture not say you are God's? He was saying, you're a divine being. But those, those things are not preached on much. 
in the Christian church of today, particularly the evangelical churches of today. They're not preached on much because we have come to believe the stuff that's been passed down to us that says it's all about right and wrong. It's all about good and bad. It's all about good and evil. It's all about whether or not you live a good moral life. It's not about your spirit. No, no, no. It's not about that at all. But my spirit, your spirit, our spirits are connected in oneness. And in the Christ nature and in the Buddha nature and in the divine self, all synonyms for the same thing, we are divine. We are constituent to the divine. That doesn't mean the divine doesn't exist in another form. I mean, I, I don't know. But, but it does mean that we are definitely constituent to that oneness. And so when we think in those terms, then we can just be natural. We can just become more and more of who we are at that deepest, most authentic level where we encounter our divine spirit. When we do that, we are just being natural, and our natural self is good enough. Because in the natural self, we find things like compassion and passion. And compassion says, I care so much about you that I want your happiness so much that I'm going to do this thing for you. I'm going to care for you in these ways. That's compassion. Passion says, I really want to do this either for you or for me or whatever. I just want to do it. I feel I have a real draw to do it. I resonate with doing it. Something in me feels very true when I do it. Um, that's passion. And, and so those two things, compassion and passion, are enough to guide us to right action. We don't need all the laws. We don't need all the guilt. We don't need all the judgment. And we certainly don't need a hell. We don't need those things. And in fact, even in the root language of the Bible, we discover the fact that there is no hell. And I've talked about that in other shows, and I've talked about it in my earlier books. If you want to read more about that, you can go to Inhabiting Heaven Now. That's uh, the book that I wrote just before this latest book. And it, it really explains what heaven is and what hell is. Uh, it's not what we think it is. It's not some place we go to after we die. Neither one of them are, neither heaven nor hell. In fact, what we find out is that heaven, I mean, excuse me, hell is actually in the employ of heaven because hell is just a troubled time here on earth that we go through and it's meant to bring us closer to our divine natures. It's, it's, it's a time where we suffer but if we, if we suffer while dwelling in the spirit, then we can bring that suffering to a pearl. We can make a pearl out of that sand that irritates us. So, yes, it's possible for us to live a highly uh, true and seemingly righteous life without ever thinking about morals. Just like Thich Nhat Hanh said that... Uh, Many people point to these people's actions and words as if they are religious and ethical models, and they praise them as saints. But these saints simply smile. If they reveal that they do not know what is good and what is evil, people would think they were crazy. And that is how it is on this planet. We think to talk above wrong and right is crazy. We think that to think beyond wrong and right is crazy. But there is definitely a beyond wrong and right. And in the Bible, the Christian Bible, the, what is beyond it is only Christ truly. In Buddhism, it's the Buddha nature. In Hinduism, it's, uh, it's the Atman. 
in in uh, the Bhagavad Gita, it is the divine self. So, what we discover is that in all these religions, if we really look at the root language, especially in the Christian texts, what we find is the same exact theme, that we are divine beings who have forgotten who we are. And that's the only problem. That's the only error, is that we've forgotten who we are. But even that is a part of our journey. Because in order for us to bring form into uh, its fullest nature as also divine, one with the divine, in order to bring the physical body into its nature as one with the divine, in order to bring awareness to its fullest, highest harmonic, what we have to do is, is move through duality into oneness. And that's where what Jesus was talking about when he talked about the two being in the field and then one. He was talking about two turning into oneness, duality turning into oneness. That's what he was talking about when he talked, what wasn't him, what the prophets were talking about when they said um, that we would uh, hammer our swords into plowshares. It's when the duality becomes oneness. That's when... Uh, the truth becomes known as to who we are. So we've forgotten our deepest, most essential spiritual nature. But one of the things that Jesus also said in even the Christian Bible was that we should worship God in spirit and in truth. And in fact, he denied that he should be worshipped at all. And yet, many people spend a lot of time worshipping Jesus. But he told the devil, in his encounter with the devil, that he was not to be worshipped, that only God was to be worshipped. And yet, people keep worshiping him as if that was the way he meant it to be. Um, and, uh, and because what they say, and this was decided in the Council of Nicaea and, and, uh, um, many years ago when Constantine was emperor and he wanted to unite his kingdom under one religion, he decided to call in the priests from the religion at the time, Christianity, and put them together so that they could decide what was true and what was false about who this character of Jesus actually was. So that what they said, they, 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 they put forth all the theories that were out there, and one theory was that Jesus was just like us, a son of God, not the only son of God, but a son of God, who, who was trying to teach us all how we could get in touch with our divine nature. That was one theory that was out there, and the other one was that Jesus was the only son of God and that only he could be God, and that we, he was a uh, constituent to God, but we were not. We were separate from that. We were sinful, and that we'd have to, ha- to have some kind of intervention from Jesus in order to be healed from our separation. That was the second theory. That second theory was accepted, and the first was denied. The first was, was considered to be heresy, and people who continued to believe it were literally, later in, in later centuries, slaughtered in the streets because they believed in this heresy that Jesus was not the only Son of God, but he was just one of all of us. And what he came to show us was that here's how you become the Christ nature. Here's how you become only Christ truly. Here's how you become the Buddha nature. Whatever you want to call that, here's how you become your deepest, truest self, your soul, your spirit. That's what he came to show us. And those people were killed for that having that belief. And now today, many people are starting to get back in touch again with some of that thinking and reading and getting in touch with that deeper self and getting in touch with other religions that teach that and actually beginning to transform some into their deeper selves 
So, so this thing of wrong and right means that we're we are determining life by external uh, ways and means. So, in other words, there's a rule out there that tells me how I should behave, and I've got to do that in order to prove to myself that I'm a worthy person. In order to prove to you that you're a worthy person, I've got to do whatever the rules say, and so I'm going to do what the rules say. And then I'll be a worthy person. So I go, I play with that bargain. If I can do what the rules say, then I'll be okay. If I can't do what the rules say, then I'm not okay. And uh, and that's a problem because what that does is literally teach us all to stay out of touch with our own inner spirits, our own inner uh, guidance system. We all have an inner guidance system. Compassion and passion are parts of that. Desire is another part of that. Discernment is another part of that. Intuition is another part of that. We have an internal guidance system, but these people are teaching us to stay out of touch with our own internal guidance system. And in some cases, they're even teaching us that to be in touch with our own internal guidance system is to be in touch with the devil. Because the devil is whispering in our ears and telling us to go against what God says in the Word, which really is just an interpretation put forth by somebody, some teacher, who says this is what God meant when he said this. And uh, so we have misleading going on. We have generations of people who have been spiritually abused with false teaching about what is true and what is false. Now, I've talked about this some in the mistaken Christianity that's on this show you can look that up if you want to go back to the archives. There's a whole show on the mistaken Christianity. Um, so you can learn about that there. So I won't go into a great deal of depth that, about that. But what we need to know is it is spiritual abuse to teach someone to stay out of touch with their own inner guidance system. What happens very often in that case is blinding to the individual. And we will talk about that after the break. We'll talk about how that occurs to people when they're spiritually abused, how that blindness happens, uh, what they're taught, and uh, in the, and how it is can be damaging to the psyche. So we're going to be back in just a few minutes right after this break, so you want to stay here for the rest of the show. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com We all have unique experiences and outlooks when it comes to leadership and team building. Yet sometimes we clash, even when trying to achieve the exact same goals. Check out Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. Your host is Dr. Cass Henry. A shared journey equals success. And every human interaction has the power to achieve this success by working together. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Many of us define our lives by what has already happened. It's a past tense series of events. Do you long for something else? You don't have to live solely in this reality. Tune in for To Win Within with host Strom Thomason. Strom and his guests are here to introduce you to your true self. It's time to emerge from your box and take a beautiful journey of self-love and discovery. 
you'll find yourself exactly where you need to be. To Win Within airs live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. What makes someone successful in their field? On Transformational Energy Leadership, Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey speaks to amazing guests who share their ideas, advice, tips, and tricks as to what defines success for them. The result is positive transformation for you. You'll learn that personal energy is the key to make it work, and you'll hear through actual examples how to bring that positive transformation to life. Listen live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Welcome back to the Authentic Living Show. We're talking today about wrong and right, and whether or not it's possible to be on the wrong path, and where that might get us. And just before the break, we started talking about how it is that some people have been, even in fact whole generations of people, have been spiritually abused by being directed to turn outward for their guidance. But they're being directed by leadership that tells them that the, the, the Bible is the inerrant word of God, and that only their interpretation of that particular translation is accurate and that whatever they say about what that means, what a particular scripture means, is true and therefore it can be taken literally and rigidly to mean that and therefore you should look to the Bible and to the pastor or the preacher or the teacher to tell you what to do. Otherwise, there is no guidance. You cannot trust yourself because that might be the whispering of the devil in your ear. You cannot trust uh, anybody else because they might not be going by the word of God. You can only trust what the pastor says about the word of God because he's got the correct interpretation of the correct translation of the many translations that have been passed down through the centuries. And that's the facts and that's all you have to go on. So what that teaches people is that they cannot go within to find guidance. They can't trust their compassion to lead them. They can't trust their passion to lead them. They can't trust their discernment to lead them. They can't trust their desires to lead them. They can't trust their intuition to lead them. They can only trust what the Bible says. So what that means is people uh, feel a lack of confidence in themselves. They cannot go within, so where do they go? They go without. And what that means is I can't make a decision until I've gotten some kind of external guidance that directs me in the right path. And even then, I might have an internal conflict that keeps coming up and coming up and coming up. And I hear its voice. I can't shut it down, but it keeps coming up. Uh, And and I I know I can't listen to it because it's, it's coming from inside me. So it must be the voice of the devil. So we end up betraying ourselves sometimes in order to follow what we call the right path. External leadership just can't get us there. I mean, it's possible the external leadership would agree with the internal leadership, but the internal leadership is what's going to get us to the truth for us. And that is the place where many of us are being taught 
not to go. And that's not just in, in, in Christianity. That's, there's some spiritual abuse that takes place in other religions. For example, one of the things that people often interpret to be true of the sacred texts in Buddhism is they interpret the, uh, uh, the, the idea that we should not have desires to be literal and that we should have no self to be literal. Um, of course, in the uh, Tathagata Garbha, uh, we understand that, uh, that self and no self are one and the same, and that would make it more like the Buddha nature. But that's not what people are saying out there so many times. What they're teaching so many times is that you must give up yourself in order to not suffer. You must lose yourself, and you must lose all desire in order to not suffer. What that basically says is, Stay externalized. Don't go inside yourself because in there is where you'll get misguided or where you'll be doing the wrong thing or taking the wrong path. And so children sometimes have been physically abused because they didn't, um, uh, uh, they fell asleep during the chanting uh, in Buddhism or they, you know, couldn't stand up long enough in the snow with bare feet. Um, these are things that have happened literally in this world because the teaching is rigidly taught to you must suspend your awareness of self in order to be okay. And so what that basically says is you better be out of touch with your body. Don't get in touch with your body because, uh, you know, if, you're, if you fall asleep during chanting, well, you're, you know, that's, that means your mind is, is not tuned in and, you're, and you're, you're too involved in yourself. And if you can't stand in the snow and bare feet or uh, continue to do exercises in the snow, then you are, you know, your body is, is controlling you. And we can't have that either. Some of those same kinds of ideas run throughout all, all various religions, not, not in the actual sacred text, in the language of the sacred text, is, sacred text as you get into the deeper parts of it, but rather in the teaching that gets taught. And so... We have, like I said, whole generations of people who've been taught to believe that the way to get guidance is to go outside of yourself for it. In other words, look to some rule, look to some text, look to some person. Somebody else is going to tell you what's right and what's wrong. So very often when I see clients, I might ask them, well, what do you think about that? What do you feel? Well, Pastor John says, well, my uncle says, well, my sister says, my mother says, my father says, you know, and I say, well, okay, how do you feel about that? And they'll say again, well, Pastor John says, or my sister says, or my mother says, or my father says. It's really hard for them to, to, to get to what they think because they've been taught for so long to not think. Don't think inside yourself. Don't stand inside yourself and figure out what's true and false in there. Rather, go outside of yourself to find out what's true and false. And what that means is that I've got to be, and when we get to the infinitive to be, that's when we get close to spiritual abuse. I've got to be something other than my own soul. That defines spiritual abuse. I've got, I've, in order to be good, in order to be worthy, in order to please the tenets of my religion or my pastor or my whoever, I've got to be something different than my soul. I've got to pretend to be something I'm not in order to please this external command. And that is the definition of spiritual abuse. Why? Because it cuts us off. It separates us from our own spirits. Now, I use the word spirit and the word soul and the word self with a capital S all interchangeably because I think they're synonymous terms. Uh, They don't mean that, uh, 
they, they mean the same thing. They don't mean uh, the little self, what people call the ego. They do mean the what some people would call the higher self. I don't delineate it that way because I think that creates such a big conflict between the two, the, the so-called ego and the, the higher self. That creates a big conflict. I think it's the... Uh, we can put on a false identity, a false identity that says this is who I'm going to try to be like, even though it's not who I really am, I'm going to be like that. So some of those identities might be the black sheep where I feel like I have to always be good, good, good. Um, in my book, Letting Go of Good, I call this the good guy identity. In my book, Restoring My Soul, I call it the black sheep priest. Whatever you call it, it's the same thing. It means that I'm trying so hard to be good that I give up myself in the process. I'm going to always be loving and kind and servile to other people. I'm going to always do what they want me to do and please them. Some people would call this the pleaser identity. Um, I'm going to uh, I'm going to be so obviously good that nobody, including myself, will ever be able to say that I'm a bad person. And so uh, that's the good guy identity. But there's another part of you that's living down in there. Perhaps I'm serving other people without thinking about whether or not I really have real compassion to do that. And so I'm doing it because I ought to, I should, I have to, I'm obligated to do it. But I don't really want to do it. I don't have the compassion for this particular issue or person to do it. And so I'm doing it because I have to. And that, that means it's false. It's not coming from the spirit. It's not coming from the truest self. It's coming from a false external construct. And so we live out of that and live out of that and live out of that until it becomes who we are. Now we've been spiritually abused because we're become, we've become something other than the, ver- the infinitive verb to be. So one of the most delightful passages that I came to understand when I was uh, reading uh, Fillmore's work, the Metaphysical Bible Dictionary, was uh, the the root meaning of the word Jehovah, one of the names for for the Christian God, the Jewish God, and the Christian God. The word the Jewish God was Jehovah in the Old Testament or the Jewish Tanakh, and the the words that were used in that are uh, as the root language are the infinitive to be, and then the next root was desire. So basically, what that means is that God or Jehovah, is the desire to be. It's the desire to be. Uh, and I love that. And whether or not you believe in that particular God is irrele- irrelevant because basically what it says metaphorically is that it is sacred to have the desire to be. It is sacred to have the desire to be. But we're being taught to not be, to, to, to go away. To pretend to be something other than who we are in order to please some external standard. So we're not going inside of ourselves to find our truest compassion and following it. Rather, we're just doing things because we ought to, because we should, because we have to. And that makes it false. So it, it, that, that whole thing of getting in touch with the soul, getting in touch with our deeper compassion, getting in touch with our desires, our intuition, our um, our. Uh, you know, whatever isn't desire, whatever isn't compassion, whatever isn't uh, true uh, self, what isn't, isn't the soul, whatever those things are, we've been taught to uh, not look at those things. We've been taught to not notice that we're out of touch with who we actually are. And so we live in uh, a false 
construct of who we are. We live in an identity. And that means that uh, our true self is lost to us. It's been put in the closet. It's been hidden away. We can't access it. So how do we get, how do we know life? How do we experience life as a spirit? How do we get, how do we actually have a real authentic relationship with a divine entity if we can't even get in touch with our own spirits? And that, so not being able to get in touch with our own spirit is the woundedness that comes from spiritual abuse. And spiritual abuse is very prevalent in the world today and has been for centuries as false teachings get out there and people believe them. So here's what I want to say really clearly. Anything that tells you that you need to get out of touch with your authenticity, with your deepest spirit, with your soul, is spiritual abuse. Especially if it tells you that it is good and right to get out of touch with your spirit, with your deepest soul, with your, with your authenticity. When it tells you that it is good and right for you to leave your soul behind and, and wrong to take your soul with you, that is the very definition of spiritual abuse. And so no wonder we're confused about what's right and wrong. No wonder we get lost in that external idea about what's true and false instead of being able to stay close to our deepest selves and live into that, as Thich Nhat Hanh says, to just uh, be like clouds and float and flowers that bloom and wind that blows. We just do what is in us to do because it's so we're so present with it that we can do that. When we're present with our authenticity, when we're present with our soul, when we're present with our spirit, we are able to do what is natural for us to do without any kind of inner conflict. We are in alignment with ourselves. We are in zone, as some people say. We are really operating out of that energetic harmonic where we are one with all things and all people and all energies. And so we're, we're in that flow. But when we're deciding how to live our lives based on somebody else's instruction for our lives, based on what they think is wrong and right, on what they say, what the, some text, some spirit, sacred text says, how they interpret it, how they interpret the translation of the translation of the translation, yeah, we might be being misled. So, uh, so when we talk about wrong and right, we may be on the wrong path. So what that means is that, and I mean that to be funny, I mean that to be ironic, actually, because we, what, what is wrong and right is irrelevant. What is true and false is very relevant. Jesus said we're to worship in spirit and in truth. In spirit means I'm, in, I'm dwelling present with my own spirit. In truth means I'm worshiping in, in the truth of my nature, of the divine, of life, of reality. I'm not worshiping in falseness. I'm not worshiping the false uh, energetic idea about who God is, you know, based on somebody else's interpretation of a text that has been declared by people to be the inerrant word of God. When... You know, when when we talked about Constantine putting together uh, the idea of what Christ was, Constantine and a few priests, and Constantine was absolutely the leader of that group, that uh, meeting. He was not 
he was not sitting there monitoring and taking notes while uh, while the priests decided on what was true and false. From what we understand about that meeting uh, uh, that occurred around 325 after the death of Christ, we we understand that he was directly involved and very much in the leadership position, as was true in most cases because the church there was a there was no separation of church and state back then. So uh, the government was the church and the church was the government. And, uh, you know, there was very lots, there might have been some friction between the head of the government and the church, but the church very commonly won any battles that took place. Um, so uh, when when Constantine was making those rules, he, he was a man who declared himself to be a Christian but had a deathbed salvation experience, supposedly, where he had, you know, uh, had his son murdered and his wife murdered, and he uh, he was involved in all kinds of um, things that other people might say was not very, were not very moral or Christian, and uh, yet he was the one that was making these decisions and and you know kind of pushing the priests around to make the decisions as well. So um, they made an agreement. Based on that, that this was who Jesus was. Jesus was the only Son of God, and He was the one who had come to save us from our sins, to be a sacrificial lamb for our sins, and He was only He could be like Him. Nobody else could. Even though in that same scripture, in those same books that were accepted into the canonical Bible later, it, Jesus clearly said, Does your scripture not say you are God's? Jesus clearly said that. So, okay, we have some thinking to do, some rethinking to do about what's true and false with regard to what the texts actually say, but also then what do they actually mean? Who, who translated them? How did they get translated? They got translated during a period of time, again, when there was no separation of church and state. And so the government was pretty clearly in charge of what was going to come out of those translations. And it had already been decided at the point of translating the Bible, it had already been decided who Jesus was. So that only their translations could only match that. But when you look at the root language, what you find is that very commonly there are several options, several choices for words that could have been chosen for a particular word, Greek word, and yet they chose the one that most matched the politic of the time. Very interesting stuff. We could go on and on about that. But the point is that that can happen in the Western world. It's also happened some in the Eastern world. And it, it is true that uh, across the globe, spiritual abuse has taken place where people have been told, basically by their leadership, to stay out of touch with their authenticity, with out of their soul, uh, and stay out of touch with their spirit in order to follow an external command for how they ought to behave, how they ought to think, and how they ought to feel. That's dangerous stuff. And we're going to talk some more about that right after the break. So stay tuned for this last segment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. 
but it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. If you're ready for big changes in less than one month's time, you're ready to tune in for Radical Change Now with Dr. Mary Oz. It's where healing meets the law of attraction in an engaging package. You'll hear from guests and callers as they share their stories, offer solutions to life's challenges, and much more. With Dr. Mary's approach, even a child could effectively learn and apply the concepts discussed on each week's show. Listen live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Have you always known that something different was possible for your life and in the world? What if you could create beyond your current reality? If your relationships, finances, business, health, and life could be anything, what would they be? Join Heather Nichols for an invitation to discover what is true for you in every area of your life and for conversations loaded with pragmatic tools for how to create it. Listen live every Monday at noon Pacific and 9 p.m. Central European time for Creating Beyond Reality on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living. With Andrea Matthews, we want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back for the final segment of our show today. The question raised today is, am I on the wrong path? And the answer is, there is no wrong path. There is no right path. There's all, everything that goes into our path is a part of the energetic harmonic. So, okay, what does it mean to rise above right and wrong? We rise above right and wrong with the infinitive to be. We rise above right and wrong by being our deepest soul, by being very present with what our deepest soul has to give us, and even being present with what the identity has to give us. The identity might give us fear and anxiety and and all kinds of things like that. So we need to be present with that and listen to its message and, and, and maybe u- utilize that for soul. And so what we're doing is being. That puts us above right and wrong. And that puts us in touch with, you know, the energetic harmonic that I spoke of where we're one with all things and all people and all biologies and all of nature and all things. So um, that being present with is very, very important. So in terms of uh, a wrong path, what that means is Let's say we make a mistake. Let's say we do something that um, we later regret. We wish we hadn't done it. Maybe it's hurt someone or maybe it's hurt us or maybe we took a financial loss or maybe we took a wrong path in our career, seemingly wrong path in our career, and we look back on that and we regret it. So what do we do with that information? 
What do, what do we do with that? We go, uh-oh, oh, my God, I could be on the wrong path again. Oh, my God, I've got to be really careful to do the right thing. Let me go look for some external guidance to make sure that I stay on the right path. Let me make sure that I always am doing the right thing. Uh, and so that's what happens. We panic, and when we panic, we look for external guidance. Now, here's what I want to clearly say. Certainly, there are teachers out there who can put us in touch with our own internal guidance. That's what a teacher is supposed to be doing. A teacher is not supposed to be telling you what to do. A teacher should never should never have any shoulds for you. <laughs> so what that means is that when 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 the teacher tells you what to do and or or says, well, here's what the Bible says, or says, here's what the sacred text of the Bhagavad Gita says, and I'm translating that for you, and this is what it means. This is what it has to mean to you. What they're saying is, I have the truth and you don't. And you can't get it because I'm the only one that has it. And that's false. That's a false leading. So what that does is make us dependent on our leadership instead of leaning into ourselves so that we can find the truth. So that's what that kind of panic will get us. It'll get us uh, further away from to be, which is where we want to be in that to being, uh, infinitive to be. We want to be in our own beingness. And uh, that's what really we all long for. Right and wrong won't get us there. True and false will get us there. I can know what's true inside me, what resonates as absolute clear truth. I can feel it. I can know it. And some of you, even those of you who are really stuck in that externalization of wrong and right, might be able to look at a time in your life when you just knew something was true for you. You just knew this was the right job, or you just knew this was a a good relationship, or you just knew that this person could be trusted, or you just knew that, um, you know, that something was really true about your own life. You looked inside and you found something something that resonated with you, and you just knew it. That's part of uh, that internal guidance system, that internal knowing. And that's what we've been taught to stay out of touch with when we've externalized our rights and wrongs. So, okay. Let's go back to our scenario in which we've done something wrong. What do we do with that? What we want to do with that is see where it's leading us, see where it's taken us, see what it's done inside of us, see what it's done outside of us. Look at it. Really look at it to see what it has to give us. Where is the gift? You know, one of the things I love about the idea of forgiveness is that it offers a gift. I think actually the word means for the gift because we're going after the gift. And when we forgive ourselves for something we've done, what we're really doing is getting the gift. I know for sure that I have forgiven people when I can look back and bless them because I've gained so much from what they did that they thought was going to be harmful to me. It's like Joseph of the Old Testament. He says to his brothers, that his brothers who literally threw him in a well and thought he was dead and left him for dead and thought he, thought he was dead so much that they told their father he was dead. Eventually, told their father he was dead. Um, and, but he wasn't dead. He got out of there and he was bought by some, Egyptian, some people who took him to Egypt and sold him into slavery at Egypt, in Egypt. And he eventually rose to the top and became the second in command of all of Egypt. And uh, then there was a famine, and the, his brothers had to come to Egypt to get food, and they, uh, he saw them and recognized them. And uh, when they eventually did talk about what had happened, which did not happen at first, he, he waited a while to talk to them about what happened. But when he finally did tell them that he recognized who they were, 
he said, you meant it for harm, but God meant it for good. So in other words, what he's saying is, I got the gift. I got the gift. I, I took what you gave me and I turned it into something beautiful. Um, you know, I can definitely look back in times in my own life when, when, when people ha- have mistreated me or were doing things that I thought were unethical or unkind or, uh, you know, to me or even abusive to me. I can definitely look back on those times and I can say, I have gotten a gift from that. And that means that I've forgiven those people. And that's what we can do with these things that we regret in our own lives, our own mistakes. We can take home the gift. What did it give you? Now you're in the energetic harmonic again. Now you're in beingness again. You're not in right and wrong anymore. You're in the truth of the resonance of your inner being, which says, here's what I got from that. I got this. I got that. I remember talking to somebody many years ago who said she married Mr. Wrong. And uh, she described him as a kind man who was, who, was, who was not mean to her, but was really not ever, didn't go out of his way to do anything kind for her either. And uh, he, was, uh, he wasn't going to go to the bars and he wasn't going to gamble and he wasn't going to do any of those kinds or cheat on her or do anything abusive to her. So she could trust him for that, but he wasn't very, he just wasn't very giving and loving and he, he, you know, was not the kind of man she really wanted to be with. So eventually she divorced him. And then she started complaining that she had wasted 10 years of her life by being married to this man. And uh, so I challenged her to look for the gift. She came back the next week and said, I've got the gift. I know what it is now. And I said, what is it? She said, well, I got 10 years of safety. She had come from a very abusive home environment, and she, uh, she uh, uh, realized that what this man had given her was very different from what she'd gotten in her home, that he, that he kept her safe, that she never had to worry about getting hit or getting lied to or getting called bad names or being abused in any kind of way or cheated on or, uh, you know, emotionally, physically, uh, sexually or otherwise abused. She didn't have to worry about any of that. Um, and that gave her a sense of safety, and she was able to use those 10 years to grow into the place where she realized that this was not what she wanted anymore. What she wanted now was more than just safety. She wanted a full, abundant life. She wanted it all. And so she left him, and she got there. She had had called him that same week and told him, thank you for giving me those 10 years of safety. And he, of course, appreciated that very much. So uh, that's that's what it is, to look at a mistake, and what we think of as a mistake, perhaps it's a part of our journey. Perhaps it's an essential part of our journey. Perhaps it is getting us to open up to the presence with our souls. Perhaps what we consider to be the wrong path is actually a true path that will get us closer to who we actually are. So just deciding in advance how things ought to be is maybe missing the boat. I remember a Buddhist story I heard one time that I thought was really cool. Uh, It was about two Buddhist monks who were standing at the edge of heaven watching people come into heaven. And they, uh, of course, the Buddhists have bardos, not necessarily heaven, so we got some mixed metaphors there. But regardless, this was the story. And uh, what what they were doing is sort of looking over the edge and looking at the people that were coming in. And this guy came in who had been uh, an alcoholic all of his life. And one monk says to the other one, hey, there's Joe. He's not going to, you know, he's, 
he's has not gotten off the wheel of samsara he's not he's going to have to come back and live lots of different lives and the other monk said oh no this is his last life he has gotten off the wheel of samsara he will be he doesn't have to reincarnate anymore and the other monk looked at him and said what he was a drunk all of his life what are you talking about and he said well he just needed humility and being a drunk all of his life gave him humility and now he has that and that's all he needed so we don't have no we don't know what what uh, is wrong and what is right? We would think, you know, in our self-righteous, moral kind of judgments, we would say, well, he's just a drunk. Of course, he's he's in the Christian motif, he'd be going to hell, and in the Buddhist motif, he might have to go through many bardos and he might have to go back to many lives. Uh, you know, he he uh, that whole idea is that we think we know what's right and wrong, but there is a way to rise above right and wrong. And what that does is give us another note in the song. It gives us another story in the tale we're telling. And we don't our lives don't end until our spirit is done telling its tale for this particular incarnation. So we're we're here in this incarnation and there's a tale for us to tell. And we're not done telling that tale until our life is over. And our life is not over until we're done telling that tale. So we may stay here sick, we may stay here in success, we may stay here in failure, we may stay here in wellness, we may stay here in wealth, we may stay here in poverty, but we stay here until the tale is told. And I don't know what that has to give you. I don't know what you're getting from poverty or from alcoholism or from drug addiction. I don't know what you're getting. I just know that it's a gift for you and that it's meant to give you a, a greater resonance with your authenticity with your deeper soul, with your spirit. And that is, you know, that there's no more loving way to, to have a life. If we're going to live on a planet where duality exists and we can suffer, the best way to suffer is to get the gift from all of our suffering. So it, it's really important for us to consider the possibility that we can move beyond right and wrong into a path that says, uh, that I don't have to be right or wrong. I can be like the clouds and I can float. I can be like the flowers and I can bloom and I can be like the wind and I can blow. And Jesus made some of those same comparisons when he was talking about being born again. He talked about the wind and how we didn't know where, where it went, where, but, it, but the wind obviously does. The wind is moving with the next moment and the next moment and the next moment doing what it does because it's natural for it to do it. And we can do that too. Jesus said that he, that, uh, that he could not initiate his own actions, that the Father initiated his actions. And so what he's basically saying to us is that if we can do greater things than he did, which he also said we could do, then we also can be initiated by the divine in us. We can begin to be initiated by the divine in us. We can learn to be only Christ truly. We can have that kind of righteousness that was described by Jesus when he used that word, that meant only Christ truly. So we can do that, but we have to be able to, to rise above right and wrong in order to become the only Christ truly we are. And that's that's the pathway. That's, the, that's a pathway that gets us into that energetic harmonic that puts us in oneness with all things and all people and all, thing, all, all energies. So, you know, if you want to live a full life, you don't do it by trying to find out what's right and wrong. You do it by finding out what within you what is true. 
and where you've been where you've been following something false. That is how we find out the truth. That's how we resonate with the soul. And so I encourage us all to go within, not to look externally for the rules about what's right and wrong, but to go within to find the true self and to live from that. So that's our show for today. We'll be back again next week. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week.